Lonely Eagles. Being black in America was the original catch, so no one was surprised by 22. The segregated airstrips, separate camps. They did the jobs they'd been trained to do. Black ground crews kept them in the air. Black flight surgeons kept them alive. The whole group removed their headgear when another pilot died. They were known by their names, Ace and Lucky, Skyhawk Johnny, Mr. Death, and by their positions and planes. Red leader to yellow wingman, do you copy? If you could find a fresh egg, you bought it and hid it in your dop kit or your boot until you could eat it alone. On the night before a mission, you gave a, body, you gave a buddy your hiding places as solemnly as a man dictating his will. There's a chocolate bar in my Bible. My whiskey bottle is inside my bedroll. In beat-up flying tigers that had seen action in Burma, they shot down three German jets. They were the only outfit in the American Air Corps to sink a destroyer with fighter planes. Fighter planes with names like, by request. Sometimes the radios didn't even work. They called themselves Hell from Heaven, my father's old friends. It was always maximum effort. A whole squadron of brother man raced across the tarmac and mounted their planes. My tent mate was a guy named Starks. The funny thing about me and Starks was, was that my air mattress leaked and Starks's didn't. Every time we went up, I gave my mattress to Starks and put his on my cot. One day, we were strafing a train. Strafing's bad news. You have to fly so low and slow, you're a pretty clear target. My other wingman and I exhausted our ammunition and got out. I recognized Starks by his red tail and his rudder's trim tabs. He couldn't pull up his nose. He dived into the train and bought the farm. I found his chocolate, three eggs, and a full fifth of his hoarded-up whiskey. I used his mattress for the rest of my tour. It still bothers me sometimes. I was sleeping on his breath. Finding a box of family letters. The dead say little in their letters they haven't said before. We find no secrets. And yet how different every sentence sounds held across the years. My father breaks my heart simply by being so young and handsome. He's half my age with jet black hair. Look at him in his Navy uniform, grinning beside his dive bomber. Come back, Dad, I want to shout. He says he misses all of us though I haven't yet been born. He writes from places I never knew he saw, and everyone he mentions now is dead. There is a large, long photograph curled up like a diploma, a banquet 60 years ago. My parents sit uncomfortably among tables of dark-suited strangers. The mildewed paper reeks of regret. I wonder what song the band was playing, just out of frame, as the photographer arranged your smiles. A waltz, a foxtrot, get out there on the floor and dance. You don't have forever. What does it cost to send a postcard to the underworld? I'll buy a penny stamp from World War II and mail it downtown at the old post office, 
just as the courthouse clock strikes 12. Surely the ghost of some postal worker still makes his nightly rounds, his routine too tedious for him to notice when it ended. He works so slowly, he moves back in time, carrying our dead letters to their lost addresses. It's silly to get sentimental. The dead have moved on, so should we. But isn't it equally simple-minded to miss the special expertise of the departed in clarifying our long-term plans? They never let us forget that the line between them and us is only temporary. Get out there and dance, the letters shout, adding, love always, can't wait to get home, and soon we will be. See you there. And this is a reading that is called There is a Brokenness. There is a brokenness out of which comes the unbroken, a shatteredness, out of which blooms the unshatterable. There is a sorrow beyond all grief, which leads to joy and fragility. Out of those depths emerges strength. There is a hollow space too vast for words, the which we pass with each loss out of whose darkness we are sanctified into being. There is a cry deeper than all sound, whose serrated edges cut the heart as we break open to the place inside, which is unbreakable and whole, while learning to sing.
On this Memorial Day weekend, we mark the holiday created to remember those who died in military service to our country. The 33 who died in this past year, the thousands upon thousands who have died in previous years, and those who had part of them die in their military service, who came home with that generation's name for the moral injury that war inflicts. Shell shock or battle fatigue, operational exhaustion, combat stress reaction, post-traumatic stress disorder. And so many gave so much for the promise of this country, the lofty words of our highest aspirations, the unrealized and sometimes broken promise that is America. We are grateful, we grieve, we honor these dead, we speak their names. As we look at the headstones row on row on row, once more let our hearts be broken. God have mercy on them for their heroic gift. May we live the good lives they would have lived. And as we remember those service members, we also remember that we are one human family, a world community that transcends national border and national interest. We remember that other lands have sunlight, skies, and clover. We remember that hearts in other lands are beating with hopes and dreams as true and high as ours. So may we live the good life they would have lived and to live the good life the dead, all of our beloved dead, call us to with their message to get out there and dance the tender growth of new banana leaves that they've left for us, the breath that literally supports us, we make ourselves vulnerable to further loss and further grief. In the poem, Arguries of Innocence, William Blake writes, man was made for joy and woe, and when this we rightly know, through the world we safely go. Joy and woe are woven fine, a clothing for the soul divine under every grief and pine runs a joy with silken pine, with silken twine. We know this. We have lived this. We know that joy and woe are woven fine in our lives. Brene Brown is a professor of social work who seems to have done really well on the TED Talk circuit. That's how I came to know her. And in one of her talks, she begins with this. Christmas Eve, beautiful night, light snowfall, young family of four in the car on the way to grandma's house for dinner. They're listening to the radio. Jingle bells comes on. The kids in the back seat go crazy. Everyone breaks into song. The camera pans in on the faces of the kids, mom, dad. What happens next? Anybody want to offer what happens next? When Brown researches this, she finds that 60% of people say car crash. And about 15% more have some, she says, equally fatalistic but more creative answer to that. And I'm sure part of this is because movies and television have taught us this, 
We see the scene that looks almost too good to be true, and then something terrible happens, and it you know, works in the narrative. And I think we know this in another way. I think we know this because we know that joy and woe are woven fine, that joy is grief turned inside out. Our most precious moments are so precious in part because they are so fleeting. So we all were made for joy and woe. Joy and woe, joy and sadness, grief and gladness are woven together in our lives. Because if we live lives of meaning and connection, lives where we are in relationship with people who love, support, value, and inspire us, loss is unavoidable. Grief is unavoidable. Loving makes losing inevitable. In a beautiful lecture on grief, Minister John H. Nichols says, the richer our lives are, the more vulnerable we are to loss. Each loss involves the partial disintegration of the universe in which we live and a challenge to our way of looking at life in the world. Grief is the very process by which we grow up either to confront the world in which loss is always possible, meet it on its terms and enjoy it, or to hide from it. And there really is no choice there. We can't choose to hide. What life is that? So we choose to confront the world in which loss is always possible, meet it on its terms, and enjoy it as best we can. Because hiding for fear of loss is no life at all. Lives that are worth living, lives of meaning, connection, and relationship promise loss. And our hearts still shatter when the loss comes. So many in our community, in our world, are grieving now. We grieve our beloved dead this year at People's Church, Dick Hines, Jim Croteau, Sally Gottlieb, John Walker, Don Bricker, and Ben Kufa. And we grieve those that we have lost in other parts of our lives, family and community connections, and the people whose lives impacted and inspired us from afar. And death is not the only loss. We grieve other things as well. Relationships and with divorce or moving away or ghosting, as the young people call it now, when someone just cuts off all contact. Or the shift in priorities and the slow fade that can mark an end of a friendship. There are lost jobs and lost pets. There are the dreams we set aside recognizing that they will not be realized. And as we age, all of us experience a series of losses. We need more sleep than we used to. The food we love no longer sits well in our bodies or we need to avoid it for health reasons. We can't see like we used to. We struggle to hear and that strains all of our relationships. Life is a series of losses. And yet we live through it. We live the lives of banana trees from the story earlier, sending out shoots and new growth, and through it all, creating new life. And in the midst of loss and change, we create new and stronger connections, new relationships, and an even more powerful legacy of love. 
In the poem I read earlier, Lonely Eagles by Marilyn Nelson, she tells the story of a man who slept on his dead comrade's air mattress for the remainder of his tour of duty. He was sleeping on the dead man's breath. And it's such a beautiful and haunting image. We are all sleeping on the breath of those we have lost, but few of us so literally as the man in that poem. Some would say that our spirits or our dead are with us in the form of spirits or guardian angels. Some know they are with us in the way their voices and their wisdom echo in our heads or come out in our own speaking. Others see their presence in the objects left behind, the hidden egg or chocolate bar or bottle of whiskey or other inheritance. Others know their presence in the way we now live out their deeply held values, contributing to their legacy being part of the creative force that the other person left behind. We can rest in the comfort and the love and the wisdom that our beloved dead shared with us as love and wisdom sometimes express through their words, through their breath. And so on this Memorial Day weekend, in the midst of all that the world calls us to, may we remember those who have given their lives in military service to this country, May we remember all of those we have lost and attend to the other losses in our lives. And may we live lives of the banana tree, a life that helps to create new life. May it be so. May we make it so. And amen.